1: So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io.
0: What's up, everybody? We're back for another episode of Startup Hustle. I'm your host, Andrew Morgans. Today, I've got a friend, a client, um, a fellow e-commerce business owner, Sean McGowan. Sean, say hello hey everybody uh, super excited to have you on the show dig into your story some of it I don't even know we've been working together for years but some of the origin stuff I'm really excited to just kind of hear about mindset how you got us here um, before we get started let's give a, a thank you to our our sponsor uh, full scale thank you for putting this on um, we know you guys are gonna enjoy this one so Sean why don't we just start at the basics like give me a little bit of background story um, I know that you just left corporate America for, um, you know, to do Leather Honey full-time. Talk about
1: your story before we got here. Sure. Um, well, I grew up on a horse farm in the middle of nowhere, West Virginia. Um, you know, my, my parents were both farmers, um, and uh, I was smart enough, I guess, to learn that I didn't want to be a farmer early on Uh, because it's really, really hard uh, work. And so I tried to do good in school and and get into college, which I was able to. And just by way of luck, um, got a job offer into banking, of all things. I majored in business, didn't know what I wanted to do, had my resume out online. um, And, uh, you know, they called me from the bank. Uh, It was First Union at the time. And they told me basically you can use your finance skills and your sales skills. At the time I was, I paid my way through school selling ultrasound machines for GE okay. uh, for in North and South Carolina. Um, and so got hired, um, by the bank actually down in Miami. So that was kind of the sales pitch was you can use your business skills and sales skills. The, the job is in Miami. Um, And uh, we'll do training for like four months in Charlotte, North Carolina, where the bank was headquartered. Um, And I was like, okay, so I get to extend college for a couple months and move to Miami. Sure. I don't have anything else going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And like many things, I mean, one thing led to another. And uh, I actually was in that profession for 20 years up until a couple months ago. Um, But 10 years into it is when I... And so, ten years ago is when I started this business on the side, Leather Honey. Um, My uh, it's actually a a longer family history with it, as you know, Andrew. Um, Go ahead and share that.
0: Yeah, go ahead and share that. Share a little bit of that.
1: Yeah, my um, so my family is originally from Philadelphia, and my grandfather um, was a business person, entrepreneur, and he. got talking one day with his, actually his postal worker, like his mail, mail delivery person, um, about the leather shoe soles that the male person was going through. Um, and how like, you know, every month he was having to get his shoes resold and every time he did, it was expensive and it was, um, uncomfortable to have the new shoe sole. And so he and a friend like invented a leather conditioner to put on the shoe sole. They called it sole dip at the time for the shoe sole, uh, S O L E not S O U L. Um, and, uh, like, you know, knew it was a good product, but never really marketed it much at the time. Um, and then, you know, when I grew up on the farm, my dad was always using it on his harness and harness and saddle and, you know, my baseball glove as a kid was always the most well-conditioned uh, baseball glove on the team. Uh, that was the only good thing about my glove, uh, skills, <laughs> but it was very well-conditioned. Um, still gave gave me a lot of errors, but... Um, and uh, so I always knew it was a good good product, and my dad started um, selling it as harness honey, Um back in the eighties to other farmers, like who would use it on their harness and saddles and things like that. He would set up booths at like horse shows and county fairs and state fairs and things like that. Um, And so that's really how the first product was originally, you know, commercialized and marketed. Um, And then, you know, really 10 years ago when the financial crisis hit, in you know I guess now thirteen years ago, two thousand seven two thousand eight my um my banking job was pretty slow and different, and so I had more time on my hands and that's when I approached my dad about, hey, you know, can I get involved, and can I really try to make this a real business?
0: That's awesome um so probably ten years old, I mean as far as when since you've had it um we've been together six and you were already on amazon when i met you tell me about you know like i believe that i've been helping brands on amazon for about eight years and um you know that was even a long time ago and amazon years eight years ago was a very long time ago uh people just weren't into you know you're putting products on amazon for the first time usually it was like very well-known brands like you know nike and adidas we were talking about um you're putting a new brand on there, you know? And when I had came on, it it was, uh, you had some features that I had never seen before and different things like that. So I knew you had been on Amazon a long time. What made you believe in Amazon before most of the rest of the world, honestly?
1: Yeah, well, um, I definitely believed in e-commerce from the very beginning. And a lot of it's just purely because I hate shopping. Mm-hmm. I've always hated going into the brick and mortar stores and you know, just shopping, trying things on, you know, going to a dressing room, walking around, trying to find something that fits that's, that you know, like, um, I'm that's just always been something I've disliked. And so as soon as I was aware that there was another um, you know way to go about purchasing, um I was into it from the very beginning. And so I kind of had experience purchasing um, things for myself and um, I'm not a tech wizard by any chance, but I believe I love leveraging technology in every way possible. And so I, I kind of thought that was our path forward. I didn't see us getting into a brick and mortar like traditional retailer. And so when I got involved in 2010, um, Amazon was early. Um, And um, I mean, I still remember like completing the application process for adding a new product. And we were one of maybe six or seven leather conditioners at the time on Amazon. It was really, there was very few competition and it was all the, it was us basically and like the, you know, big multinational companies, the biggest brands on there. Um, But you know, what I, tried to do from the beginning was out hustle them and outsmart them and uh, outwork them Um, because, you know, it took those big brands a long time to come around to Amazon being more important and powerful than the brick and mortars. And I figured I wouldn't be able to beat them in their traditional route, but here's a new, you know, competitive landscape that no one else, you know, they weren't really focused on. Right. Um, So that's really, you know, where I put all of our focus, we put all of our marketing dollars on, you know, AdWords and, um, you know, everything, everything was was online e-commerce from the very beginning.
0: Yeah, I'm really appreciative of our relationship on Amazon in regards to building my own business. Um, you know, I've been working with, we've worked with over 300 brands at Marknology since I started the company. Um, but there was very few brands that were created with intent that I've been working with that long with the intent being solely e-commerce, solely like a big focus, Amazon, even, you know, the website redirecting to Amazon, um, you know, Google AdWords. It was almost the complete opposite out there in the landscape in regards to what everyone else was doing. Um, So, you know, if you hadn't had that mindset, we wouldn't be where we are, where we have top sellers and you know, multiple countries, um, you know, and doing so well as a brand, Uh, you know, I think that talking about, well, one, you talked about straight hustle and we're on startup hustle. So I I absolutely love that. Uh, But, but secondly, you know, I think one thing that we're doing that I, I'm excited about because we're bringing some of that original innovation is with our global expansion and expanding internationally on these other marketplaces that I think will grow, you much like amazon us um getting into them early you know being an early adopter um you know learning new things on those channels like you know we're trying we're trying to learn how to effectively market in multiple languages you know as a small e-commerce team um you know a remote team but a small e-commerce team and being like you know how do we uh, as amazon opens new channels for us how do we take advantage of those and um set ourselves up for success. Like we have now with leather, honey, but, but abroad, um, you know, besides being one of the early adopters to amazon.com, um, you know, one of my first clients to be on Amazon Canada, um, you know, and, 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 now we're in Amazon UK, which is Germany, France, Spain, Italy, you know, they're turning on, we're, we're launching into several other countries as well. Um, talk to any of the listeners now about our mindset and your mindset, um, for expanding internationally um, and what you hope to gain by by doing that.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, like I said earlier, when I was when we first launched in Amazon U.S., it it wasn't um, such a competitive landscape, and I think that's what allowed us to really, you know, grow to the point that we have. And I see a lot of similarities between where you know those foreign Amazon markets are today. And where Amazon U.S. was 10, you know, 7, 10 years ago, Um, because a lot of U.S. companies haven't figured out how to position themselves internationally. Um, And uh, to me, that's, you know, a lot of it is figuring out where where can you compete and win on a regular basis based on your value proposition. Right. And our value proposition is we are the premium leather care products. So ours are frankly more expensive than any of our competition um, because they're better. And so I think people that care about their leather products, they want to also, you know, take care of them. You know, leather is expensive, whether it's couches, car seats, etc. Um, and so I think that's where we really, you know, we I, I think we try to know what we do well and where we compete best. And that's where I see the opportunity internationally. Um, Like you said, Canada was the first market that we went into, and that's an easy one to expand, Amazon Canada. And then, you know, the EU and all the marketplaces there, there's some complexities with those because of the, frankly, because of the translations. Um, And I think that's an important piece to make sure you get right and not just invest in, you know, not just do Google Translate, um, but really invest in, you know, Uh, appropriate translations by locals who really understand the e-commerce marketplace and you've helped us with a lot of that as well Um, and then you know now we're in Amazon Australia Um, our first shipment to Amazon Japan should go out this week and then you know we're headed hopefully to the uh, UAE and and, uh, Mexico and other markets as well soon Um, but you know going back to your question I just see it as an opportunity to, where the competition is a little weaker, candidly, and where we can solidify ourselves. And a lot of the, um, the uh, uh, advantages of having an established Amazon US business, you know, transfer over to the foreign marketplaces too. You know how to set up your product detail pages, you know how to set up, uh, you know better than anybody, how to how to have the the, the advertising uh, moved over and, and successful, uh, the images, um, you know how to price it right, etc. Um, the the hardest part, frankly, for me is the the supply chain and the logistics aspect of it, um, and understanding really how all the costs are involved so you can price appropriately and not and make sure you're you're selling you know for a profit. Because there's a lot of additional expenses that, you know, you're not ready to, or I wasn't prepared to uh, to burden when we first launched there.
0: Right. The expectations aren't exactly laid out. And, I mean, we would be doing all our listeners a disservice if we didn't talk about all the issues we've ran into, you know, through the years and expanding. And we talk about Canada being easy Um, but honestly, we've, we've ran into almost every roadblock you can think of. We've just pushed through them with hard work, you know, on, I mean, in my opinion, so we just stayed with it and, um, now we're just getting more refined, you know, we're still learning and trying new things, um, down to like, you know, the text on the graphics, not being in English, not just the copy and the listings, but we're, you know, we're changing the graphics and changing the text. How, now that we're there, how can we just do it better? How can we provide better service? Um, one thing you touched on that really was interesting to me and, and something I, I want the listeners to hear is we are higher price than all of our competition. And we're on Amazon. So many people talk to me about Amazon or online and they're just like, well, there's 100 other sellers. There's, you know, everybody's so cheap. Why would anyone want my product there? Um, and leather conditioner isn't that expensive. You know, I've worked with products all the way up to fine jewelry But the principle is the same when we're talking about who we're going against in regards to competition. Amazon is a marketplace um, that can handle a high price item or a premium item. It's just a matter of actually delivering on having that premium item, Um, you know, having a product that reviews well. um, You know, Leather Honey reviews extremely well. uh, And in my years of building, you know, Leather Honey here in Kansas city has come up in conversation plenty of times for different reasons, as examples, all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm not surprised how many people pipe up to say, Hey, I have that in my closet. Hey, I have that in my garage. Hey, I've used that. Um, literally probably like at least just me personally, 50 times or so someone, I I have leather honey. Um, and we're not this, you're not local to Kansas city, right? You're, I actually met you in New York, but I think, are you in Connecticut now? Virginia. Virginia, okay. Um, I got another guy who's in New York that's in Connecticut now. And uh he you know, it just like it's it's if you have a good product, if it reviews well, um, people remember that. And Amazon is a platform that one hundred percent rewards or punishes you for those for those bad reviews. So a high price item but worth the price, we review really well. And that's part of you know, that's part of our success.
1: Yeah, and I I, I can't emphasize enough the the focus on reviews and the c- client experience. <clears throat> um, you know, at the very beginning, you know, when I was launching this on Amazon, I literally, there wasn't an automated tool to reach out to buyers. So we literally were writing a email, you know, a template, but still, you know, going in every customer, copy paste, customizing it to the, to the customer's name Um And really, you know, trying to head off any negative reviews before they got on the platform and solicit positive reviews, you know, and I still still remember
0: that day, I honestly don't talk about it that much, because we're buddies. But there was a there was a conversation with me, you and Ari, your sister who runs the company with you. And, um, you know, I was like, I was, I was onboarding with Leather Honey, you know, kind of getting to know everything. I think I'd been working with you a few months at the time and, um, learned that you guys were, were emailing manually and you have to understand the position I was in to be like, okay, do I tell them that like, we can literally make this like thing go away? Uh, you know, and. Cause I don't want someone to lose their job. Cause there was a lady that was doing that, you know, oh. I was like, if I just word this correctly, you know, I'm going to let them know, Hey, there's a way that I can do this, you know, where, um, for 30 bucks a month, this is going to happen automatically with some software. Uh, you know, it goes to show you, you don't know what you don't know. And that didn't always used to be there. I'm still literally like trying to develop software myself, or you know, software continues to come out that we're having to learn together and different things. But I think what what really matters is the willingness to care. Like way before the different things came out, whether it was Amazon, no matter what platform you're on, um, you know, you really cared, and it was sending emails to the people that have bought manually, like having a person at your staff 24 seven sending out sending out. Emails, and we have thousands of orders to the listeners. So it wasn't like, hey, had five orders a day, send out an email. You know, it was a lot. It was a full, almost a full time job getting those out. Um, And that honestly sets me up for for one of my questions. And I was just going to ask, like, what have you done um, to differentiate yourself? um you know in this space over the last 10 years. Um I have my thoughts on why I think that we're successful. You know, I talked about some of those with the focus being e-commerce and Amazon and different things like that. Um but knowing that you were hoping to end up here where you're you know running Leather Honey full time, what were the some of the things that you said these are must for us and, and we got to focus on these to differentiate ourselves.
1: Yeah. Um so a couple things. I mean one is uh, staying true to who we, we are, right. And not wavering. And, you know, we are, again, the premium leather care products company. Um, like you said, there would have been a lot of opportunities and it can be very alluring to try to compete on price or other things. Um, but we've never done that. In fact, in, in fact, if anything, we've increased our pricing on Amazon over the, the time that we launched, um, you know, by 20, 30%. So we've been able to, to pass along price increases of those as those have come through. Um, the, the the other things I would kind of summarize into a bucket of really thinking long-term and not short-term. And it ties back into saying, you know, stick, sticking to your knitting and knowing who you are and where you compete and what your value proposition is and and staying focused on that um but you know we've been approached a lot of times and i've thought about a lot of times expanding our product line right all we really do today is sell a leather cleaner a leather conditioner and a cloth an application cloth um, to apply those two products Uh, we do sell the conditioner a couple different sizes but it's really only two products on the cloth, and there's a lot of you know um conventional wisdom that says once you have an established brand and a couple products that you want to go you know horizontal and really you know start to add in um you know other products and there's a lot that come to mind there's a lot that are sold on amazon and frankly almost all of our competitors have you know At least five to 10, and some of them, you know, 30, 40, um, you know, different product lines. And we've really resisted that because, first of all, I want to make sure that we don't lose sight on, again, who we are and what we want to be really good at, and never, never, you know, sacrifice in terms of quality of the product, you know, core product. Second is, you know, we've been able to ensure that all of our investments, in terms of advertising, in terms of, you know, partners, consultants, things like that, are all focused on these two, these are core products. And we're not spread out too thinly, um, where, you know, you do start to lose potentially some of the bestseller badges or some of those other things that, you know, I think have been critical to our success over the years. Um, So that's definitely been a big part of it. The other is, again, Tying into the theme of thinking long term, um, we really like we we try to invest in the business with a long term focus, not thinking about this month or next month or this quarter or next quarter. um, You know, just what's gonna what's gonna build the brand and build the business the right way over the longer period of time. And I can think of so many different situations where, like you know, it would have been easy to take you know, some money out of the business, but instead we always choose to reinvest it. Um, Whether it's new technology to make us smarter, like you mentioned, the automated emails. I mean, that's one example, but you've introduced us to so many, you know, tech platforms that we've been able to integrate into our business to make us more successful. And look, they're expensive. I mean, some of them are, are not cheap, but again, we're trying to build a, you know, a brand, a global brand for the long run. Um, So that's, that's probably the key themes in my mind.
0: I have a a couple there. And honestly, you you would have touched on the same things that I would have thought of um, as someone that's been working with you, you know, in those six years. For anyone not listening, um, or for some anyone not listening, for everyone listening, we have, you know, we have number one bestseller badges on our products on Amazon. Um, I want to talk about, and then I'm going to bring it back. You're going to see, but I want to talk about what you think it takes to keep, you know, to keep and maintain and get a number one bestseller on Amazon. We talk about, you're talking about that long game. Um, So, you know, know, we've been up and down and all around through the years when it comes to the Amazon rat race uh, and competition and different things. But um, you're also one of my sellers that's invested the most back into it to keep growing it. And, you know, six years in now I'm able to see, um, what those results do. If you stay with it, if you stick with it, if you advertise on these different areas that Amazon's giving to us new opportunities, um, talk to me about, uh, you know, our advertising budget, like how much we put, we literally put back into the brand, um, just on Amazon to kind of have that in that bestseller badge.
1: Sure. I mean, like you said, it is in many ways how I measure, you know, our success. Um, I check our, ranking um overall versus our competitors What's an hour i mean i I look for it to refresh it refreshes every hour and i literally wait uh and 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 look at that over and over again because it's that important having that bestseller badge just greatly increases the conversion rates um for visitors um it also is interesting how it um creates off Amazon buzz and, 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 uh, advertising as well, because, you know, a lot of bloggers or writers for publications, you know, they're going to just do a quick search on Amazon to see, you know, what, what, what are the best sellers? What are the top selling items in a particular category? And then that's going to how that's going to be how they're, you know, uh, top leather conditioners of 2020 list is going to look, it's literally going to be, you know, the one through 10. And so if you're number one on those uh, type of rankings as well, it just adds to the success you're going to have on, on Amazon. Um, In terms of budget, I mean, it's a big number. Um, And, you know, we're probably spending uh, a hundred to $120,000 a month on Amazon and another big chunk off Amazon that's just in the US. Um, not to mention, you know, in every marketplace. Um, but I really, I think there's, you know, I'm always fighting the tendency to focus on optimization of those ads. And Andrew, you and I talk a lot about it. And, you know, we do, we do optimize when we can. But, you know, I, I I'm, again, thinking about the long term. Um, I'm, much more focused on you know, not making an extra dollar of profit today when I can keep those bestseller badges, getting in the hands of more people that are going to tell their friends and families about our product, that are going to you know, sign up for subscribe and save, they're going to finish the bottle and come back and be repeat you know, customers. Um, again, it's, you know, it's focusing on the long game um, and not being tempted by that short-term profit or win.
0: No, I love that. And, you know, I think that I just think of all the things that have got us here, you know, that ended up to where to where we're at. And, um, you know, everything from uh, not scaling the team too much in house, keeping the product line, um, you know, smaller and more compact, but focusing on those. I think that's probably a big reason why we were able to expand internationally so frequently, because we're not sending 500 SKUs and, you know, a big part of Amazon is keeping product in stock. And so if you have a big catalog, um, you know, you're like, well, to expand to Canada, I have to send 500 SKUs and I'm going to send in a pallet of each. And, you know, so that's been it's allowed us to be kind of nimble, um, you know, and try different things um and then like you know keeping the the leather honey team smaller i guess what i was saying while you're in banking and different things like that i know ari's been um full-time for a while but uh the ability to invest in advertising you know the advertising has has been a huge huge part of what we do um and having that budget not you know maybe not living off the brand while we've been building it um has been you know maybe very very impactful um for the ability to to not think about the short term think longer term um and really plan for success i really love that and it's it's not something that i um on the other side of the brand you know get to really see um you know that frequently so it it's really just i guess for me been very impactful in the way that i look at strategy um you know with leather honey being in a lot of in a lot of ways um different than what a lot of people are doing in this space so to the speak other,
1: yeah the, the other thing so i would add two more things one is um you know not taking the the amazon advertising and amazon account management in-house but instead working with a firm like you and yours has been one of the best decisions we ever made i don't mean to just plug you shamelessly um but i will And i'll be honest you know. I think that there's a tendency of, oh, well, I could just hire somebody that's going to help me with my Amazon and be on staff, you know, having a team of people that all they do is live, eat, breathe this Amazon, you know, business culture has been incredibly valuable to us. Um, We literally take advantage of every beta offering that Amazon gives us. Andrew, you know that as soon as they come and they, and I think because we've been on the platform for so long and spend, frankly, spend so much money on advertising, we get access to a lot of those betas. Um, but we always try them, right? You never know, you know, what's going to hit and what's not. Um, but I think we're we always like to to experiment and see, you know, what's going to work. Um, and if it doesn't work, we shut it down. But if it does, then we double down. You know, uh, I think that's been our our approach. And the same thing with off Amazon, you know, we, again, haven't had hired somebody to be on staff. We have worked with third parties in that regard uh, for our social media, for our, you know, AdWords, everything off Amazon in terms of advertising. Um, so I think that's been a, you know, a critical part of it too. And then finally going back to the bestseller badges and what that means and what opportunities and the reviews that we have. You know, we recently were able to be contacted by we don't we don't even market by Advance Auto and AutoZone to traditional brick and mortar, you know, retailers that literally you know found us on Amazon, saw that we were a bestseller, and you know sought us out to be carried in their their stores. And um, we're national in uh, Advance Auto right now, We're in all their stores in the country, and we're finishing up a pilot with. Uh, autozone and uh, things are going really well and it looks like we'll go national with those as well um, but that's really like the reverse of what you typically see and that i, I think owe a lot of that to you know just the success we've had on on amazon and um, and then you know there's traditional retailers seeing that success and wanting to be a part of it as well
0: yeah i i um i've, I've experienced some of that with my own brand with Landlocked, meaning being found online and then being asked to come in stores. Um, you know I can't help but think the whole time about Warby Parker. Um, you know one of the brands, the more successful stories of our time with startups in our time, uh, from the buy-ins and investors, you know not being on board to um, you know they were just really thinking this idea. Uh, of how to get glasses into eyeglasses into more people's hands than ever before and kind of make them cheaper for people to get access to. Um, But now are expanding into stores now that they have market research and have proven the model. And um, so it's not that brick and mortar is dead. Uh, It's not that brick and mortar isn't successful. It's that technology gives us the ability to get data at such a faster rate than traditional business um you know in one year of like high sales online you're going to get way more customer data than you would have at at a busy store anywhere um so if you're comparing apples to apples and so you know you're then able to use that data and be like what's a good fit for us you know we've we we know how to be profitable directly to consumers we know what consumers like we know everything about our product and then you put yourself in the driver's seat in those brick and mortar negotiations because you're saying hey i don't need you to get exposure it's choice and, you know, do we want to be here? Do we want to expand? Do we want to try to reach a different customer that maybe does like shopping um, or that customer that's not looking for us but comes across us in the aisle? Um, and I think it's a great move for Leather Honey uh, to, to get into that space because it's kind of untapped, but we're going in there in control versus begging to be on a Walmart shelf or, or begging to be, you know, somewhere else. Um, that you're right, a lot of times I am going brick and mortar to online. And so um even the thinking the mentality behind how to sell and who to sell to. um, When you're selling brick and mortar, you're you're making one relationship with the rep, whoever that rep is or that team, and you know, convincing them to sell your product, and then it's on them to sell it to, to every consumer um online we're figuring out all the way down to who our actual customer is and it allows you to care more about the brand and care more about um you know standards and and all those things because you're like no i'm directly dealing with my customers um face to face and seeing what they want what they like what they review what they respond back when we send them an email um so in my mind, I know I'm an e-commerce consultant, you know, we're an agency and I live and breathe e-commerce, but that's one of the things that I love um, is when brands get that direct touch with their customers that maybe they've never had before because they've always gone through a different channel. Um, And then the ability for Amazon to just, people think that amazon's consuming all consuming you know and actually uh if we're if we're taking your advice you're saying that amazon created opportunities for you off amazon or in brick and mortar um because of your
1: success there yeah absolutely and i look um we got contacted by a number of different retailers over the years and it was important to pick the ones that aligned with our again with our brand and a premium price point um you know not an off price Retailer, you know, even Walmart to me wasn't a good alignment with our brand, and they did contact us also. Um, But the other thing that was interesting I'll share is one of AutoZone and Advance's hesitations with us was the price point where we are. Again, you know, we're we're more expensive than our competitors, and they I think were concerned that you know would our products sell on the shelf uh, when you know we're we're, you know, right there in front of people with this limited buying opportunity on a shelf, um, and our price point was so much higher. Uh, and what I think they're finding is that, first of all, you know, they're able to quickly whip out their phone and be like, "Why is this? Why is this product so much more expensive?" Type it in, and they go to Amazon and see, "Okay, wow, this is the number one bestseller on Amazon. It's got nine thousand five hundred reviews, four and a half stars." you know, now I get it. And then they, they make a, even, you know, even checking that kind of, you know, that, that, you know, validity of the brand and the price point on, on Amazon, they still make it a, a, a lot of times that a buying decision, you know, there in the store. Um, so I, I think they they, they, they play well to each other and then people that even if they don't buy our product on the shelf, they're seeing the brand again, you know, And a lot of that's part of building a brand is just as painful as it is. But um, having those impressions out there where people are, you know, starting to take notice of the brand. And so that whether it's, again, thinking long term, but a month from now, a year from now, five years from now. uh, But the next time they're ready to make a purchase within our category, you know, they're familiar with the brand and they buy our product.
0: Right. Because brand is you know, brand and brand story is is the value in a business. Um, You know, if you if you're trying to make an exit, um, everyone's going to, you know, ask, Well, what's what's your brand? You know, what's your collateral? What do you have? Um, And you can show them sales, but there's a lot more to to it than that. Um, I think anyone can sell products, but it's really, you know, brand that that comes a long way. Um, You know, I was thinking it was kind of interesting hearing some of your backstory. Um, my family's from Oklahoma, dairy farmers, uh, my, my dad grew up on a farm and knew he didn't want to be a farmer, um, and put me into, uh, computers, uh, as a alternate, you know, he was like, he was really into computers and kind of, uh, as a kid, I was building them. And so I went into tech instead of business. Although I find myself in business now, I, I always liked it. I was afraid I wouldn't get a job. Maybe I'd end up as a banker. I don't know, but. You know, I was just afraid like that I would get that degree and, and be on the other side and not know what to do. Um, so I got a tech and now it's got us both matched up together, uh, you know, the business and the and the tech degree. Um, but let's just talk about a couple of things as we close up here. I got a couple of questions that are just more fun questions for anyone listening than just straight business. But number one question being like in regards to like winning, Okay what is something you do regularly to improve success happiness or creativity um as a person you know within business or with or outside of business um you know happiness being you just left banking after 20 years to come into this what's one of your you know your driving factors
1: well you know that decision was really to try to get more happiness and creativity in my life i mean look i had an amazing 20 year career in banking and i loved almost all of it. Um, But, you know, those types of things, like anything, requires a lot of sacrifices. And the sacrifice for me that I was making on a regular basis due to um, the commitments involved with that job was being away from my family. And I've got a a five-year-old little girl, Sylvia, an eight-year-old little boy, Benji, and a beautiful wife. And I was on an airplane every week. Um, You know, I had you know, the highest status on two different airlines because I was literally on and that's nothing to brag about. I'm frankly ashamed of that. But that's what it took. And I only know one way to do something and that's to give it hundred and ten percent. And so, you know, I can look back on it and say, you know, I think I did a great job in that career for twenty years and it was wonderful. And it was hard to leave in many ways. But, you know, you get one chance at this life. And um I don't want to wake up in you know, 10 years from now and look back and have missed my kid's childhood. Um, One of the parts of growing up on a farm, I don't know if you experienced this, but as much as I hated the hard work and shoveling, you know what, and uh, everything else that came along with that, you know, I spent a lot of time outside in nature with my parents and my little sister who's now involved in the business and I wouldn't trade that for anything it was a wonderful way to grow up Um, and my parents sacrificed a lot you know in order to give me that childhood Um, and I want to make sure that I do the same for my kids and that's you know really what drove that decision and it was possible for me from a financial perspective because I had this business that I had started on the side Um, and you know people and partners like you that have helped me grow it you know when i haven't been able to spend time on it frankly um but i had people like you and like my sister and my dad that were and other employees that were there you know to help make decisions when i couldn't and help put the time in you know when i couldn't um so to me that's what it's all about right now um i'm 41 i you know uh, again, have the kids and, and my wife that now I get to see, you know, with COVID, uh, you know, every day, all day, we're essentially, uh, you know, In um, a new relationship right now. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, which is great. Frank, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but that's really what, you know, to me, happiness is all about right now. Is
0: yeah. Being- we talked, we talked about happiness and creativity and, you know, you're chasing the happiness with these new moves, Um, but I think one thing I had forgotten maybe six months ago, it kind of came back to me was, um, just how much I like creating, um, it is business and the way that I'm successful at business is analyzing and, you know, doing analysis and into all the detail work and being obsessive about the detail work and, you know, it's analytics, 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 um, you know, it affects my personal life, affects everything when that's what you're doing as a career, you know, and and as someone in finance, you know, it's about the details. Um, But what's awesome about being a business owner, um, specifically in a space that's innovating constantly, is that, um, you know, you have to use a level of creativity just to just to keep up, much less to innovate or be ahead. Um, and so the creativity part almost like comes hand in hand. And what I had forgotten months ago was just like how much I love creating because I was just into this like, per, let me just keep perfecting what I'm doing. Let me perfect what I'm doing, perfect what I'm doing. Um, and you you become a perfectionist and you get stuck and you're like, this isn't the part that I love anymore. Why do I not love it? Because I've been analyzing it, and perfecting it. And um, it was really just getting back to creating again and seeing it in that way and allowing yourself to to move on before something's perfect or to jump into different areas um and start learning again so that you can start creating again so i love that you said that and just want to piggyback on that to to any entrepreneurs listening or um you know founders or business owners um you know when you kind of lose some of that natural drive for whatever you're doing um For me, it's like I'm not a perfectionist, so I don't know why sometimes I put on that cloak, um, you know, but I'm really, you know, that's why I came up with the name marketing or Marknology because it's this mixture of marketing and technology. It's, yeah, sure, it's some data work and it's some analysis, but we're we're marketing and we're being creative and we're selling still, um, which is some of the fun stuff. So I have one more for you. I want to know your opinion on what is the difference between being a genius and just being crazy as someone that, uh, you know, you've found success now. And some people along the way might've said like, you know, you're crazy for thinking that way. You're crazy for not expanding your product line or you're crazy for, um, you know, keeping your price points too high, or you're crazy for not putting any of this money away and continuing to reinvest it, um, what do you think the difference is between being like a a trailblazer or a genius um, and and just being crazy and
1: wrong well i I think it's two things I think one is you know i I like to bounce ideas off of people it's not just me operating in a in a vacuum you know and you're unfortunately with our relationship Andrew you're the victim of a lot of my late night emails and early morning emails and questions and you know and i i come up with a lot of crazy ideas and crazy or genius people yeah i have a lot of people that i trust that i think are my like it's my board of directors almost you know when i'm thinking back to the corporate world my advisors that you know are going to hopefully be candid with me um, be very, you know, just very honest, shut me down when it's appropriate, but also, you know, if they think it's a good idea and worth exploring, you know, let's, let's do it. Um, so I'm really fortunate to have, I think a great group of people, some of them, you know, friends, many business associates, other entrepreneurs that, you know, I'm comfortable with and I have a longstanding relationship with. And frankly, because I do it with them, they do it with me, which I think is a nice, great um, openness. Compliment. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know what starts with you know crazy, with some feedback from people that you trust, um, hopefully you know migrates into genius at some point. And if it doesn't, it's a mistake, and you chalk it up and move on. I mean. Andrew, you've been a part of, I've made so many mistakes in this business and you've helped me recover from them. Thankfully, we
0: both have, we both have.
1: <laughs> um, and you know, we're in the middle of recovering from one now, you know, where we ran out of stock and, you know, a lot of it was due to COVID. Um, uh, but you know, that's painful. Those are, those self-inflicted wounds are painful, but all you can do is learn from them and, uh, you know, try not to let it happen again. Um, and uh, keep evolving and, and growing and have confidence that, you know, you know what the right thing to do is. And, you know, just keep doing it.
0: Are you kind of saying you are who you hang with? <laughs> I think there yeah. be, absolutely. absolutely. You
1: know, absolutely.
0: I, I think I think of that, too, in regards to like Marknology and who we want to be partners with and different things like that. And, you know, we come up with some crazy ideas as well. Um, and I think it's just finding a relationship that works for you and and not just picking, you know, we're in business. It's about innovation. It's about change. It's about trying new things, um, specifically when it comes to e-commerce and digital marketing. Um, you know, like you said, we try every beta like we're trying them. We're going to figure out what works. Um, and it comes down to, to being aligned with someone that's going to say, like, yeah, that, here's some of the issues. But like, here's where some of the wins could be like, you know, let's try that. Um, and just not being stuck in your ways you know we, amazon I guess my biggest challenge as a business owner um, on my side is is talking to business owners that want to stay the same or are scared to change or scared to jump in scared to go all in on amazon or e-commerce um, you know or they have advisors around them maybe that are that are hesitant or have had people um, you know fail miserably or different things like that so it really is about um, you know who's around you i remember, and I'll close with this. Like, uh, when I started landlocked, my apparel company, uh, I went to 10 friends at the time and I wasn't surrounded by mi- business mentors and things like that, but I went to 10 friends and maybe I am crazy. Uh, but eight out of 10 told me it was a bad idea. Um, and I remember that cause I went ahead with the idea anyway. Um, you know, and now I have the brand that I have, but you know, there's, there's these moments where, um, you you just got to move forward if you have a gut feeling about something you know and be like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna try this it might be genius it might be crazy somewhere in the middle um you know, but in this space, there's a lot of room for it. And, and, and that's why I really like e-commerce is that ability for us to just continue to try new things. It's not like we got the, um, you know, the intro to Walmart and then we're like, we're set and let's just make sure that that guy or that girl loves us, you know, and keep that relationship strong. There's so many little things that we can try and create and innovate with, um, to continue finding success. So, so perfect for the, for the people that, you know, are always kind of, kind of, constantly trying to improve well said Thanks Sean thank you. you so much for having uh for being on the show um and really letting me know some of the insights I think I, I knew some of them but you know hearing it from you and and getting kind of your thought process behind some of it has been super enlightening um and I hope anyone listening just got a little bit of uh you know a firsthand account of a business owner that's been at it for 10 years online um and kind of what it takes what it takes to win, win online.
1: Thanks for having me, Andrew. You're the best. See you
0: later. Startup Hustles brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. like we do it